Access more. Hey there, I'm Christine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Equip and Empower podcast. Now, my prayer is that our time together each week encourages you, awakens you to the purposes of God in your life, and activates you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as you live on mission for Him. Hey, podcast listeners. If you have ever found yourself wanting to give up, you're going to want to hear what we're about to share with you. Christine has put together a list of 10 of her favorite scriptures to encourage you to keep going when you just want to quit. Go to christinecane.com forward slash don't quit to get your copy so that you'll have encouragement ready for the next time you're finding it hard to keep believing that the best is yet to come. Now, let's dive into today's message. Welcome back to our Unstuck Summer Series. It's week three, and if you're just joining us, be sure to download your free Unstuck Summer Kit at christinecane.com forward slash podcast which features an expanded reflection guide for each episode. Today, we're going to look at the power of identity and how it relates to our confidence and ability to keep moving forward in our purpose. Growing up, the words spoken over me about who I was were discouraging and belittling. But when I discovered a relationship with Jesus, I discovered the truth of who God says I am and the promises I have access to through Him. And that changed everything for me. I went from being uncertain about who I was to being confident because my identity was rooted in Jesus Christ. We're going to look more at this in today's teaching. This topic is seriously so powerful. It's very personal for me. And I'm believing today's episode will encourage and strengthen you no matter what season you're in. So let's dive right in. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. And I know that God's got a word for you and is gonna speak to you powerfully. Well, you'll know that Nick and I oversee A21. And so obviously that's an organization to help abolish slavery everywhere forever. We started in 2008 and have seen God do amazing things. So many people rescued out of both sex trafficking and forced labor trafficking. And so many traffickers are convicted and sentenced and put in jail and just kind of really helping to rescue people that are bound all around the world. Well, we're in 15 countries. We have so many offices all around the world. And I often have to go and visit our offices and visit our staff and visit our teams. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest privileges of my life to get to serve our teams and help mobilise our teams that are in the trenches, really making a difference when it comes to abolishing slavery. Well, you know, I can't just go to a country and just walk through the door of the country, just walk through the gate of the country like I own the place. Um, You know, if I ever tried to just go through TSA or to get through the line and have no passport, I have to tell you that I probably wouldn't get very far. Um, I don't think they would even give me a ticket to get on the plane and they certainly wouldn't let me through security, then they wouldn't let me on the plane. And then even if I did manage to do all of that, when I got to the other side at the other country, they're not gonna just say, oh, welcome, Mrs. Kane, just walk gone through. If I'm going to leave the country, I need a passport. If I'm going to enter another country, I'm going to also need a passport. Now, a passport tells you what country you're a citizen of, and it gives you access to other countries throughout 
the world. And um, I am very blessed in that, of course, I was born in Australia. So I have my Australian passport and I was born in the Commonwealth of Australia. And I got this passport simply, I applied, but I got it because I am Australian. I was born in Australia. Uh, My parents were immigrants into Australia. um, But because I was born there, I get to have an Australian passport. I have all the rights and all the privileges that come with being an Australian citizen. And this passport gives me access in and out of countries all around the world. And this is my access pass. Well, a few months ago, after living in the United States of America for many, many years, I actually even got an American passport (laughs) when I became an American citizen. Now, I first came to America on a tourist visa in 1998, and then I became a resident alien in July 2010. Now, I know you all think I'm weird, but I actually did become an alien. I thought that was so funny. Then I became a permanent resident alien in 2012, and then on the 19th of July 2018, I became a permanent American citizen almost to the day, a decade after I had come here. It was pretty wild to become an American citizen. Now, I had to do a big test to become an American citizen. I didn't have to do a big test to get my Australian passport. I just had to be born into Australia. It was easy. But I had to pass, I had to learn 100 questions about American history about the American constitution, about the American legal system, the American political system. I know more about your country than I know about my country. And I have never been more grateful for the opportunity someone once took me to see the musical Hamilton. I learnt my entire American history from the musical (laughs) Hamilton. I'm in my exam going, what would Alexander Hamilton say? So I got it all and I worked it out. And I also found out That's where you guys threw the tea overboard and um, you decided, see you later, England wouldn't want to be you and you became a republic and we in Australia are still part of the monarchy. We are part of the Commonwealth of Australia. I just had to laugh and say that I passed the test with flying colours. I was very, very proud to pledge loyalty to America. I actually had to say, I had to do the naturalisation oath of allegiance. I had to say, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potent state or sovereignty of whom, of we or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen. Who speaks like this? But anyway. (laughs) that I will support and defend the constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law and that I will perform non-combatant, that's why I've got these boots on, service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. I did the American Oath of Allegiance. I pledge my Oath of Allegiance. Now, I still don't have the accent, (laughs) y'all. I don't have the accent. I'm bringing a bit of Australian sassy accent to it. But I had to go through a process to become an American citizen. I had to go through a citizenship process that took a lot of years, that took 
a huge exam that I had to study intently for until I finally, I had to pledge allegiance. And after I did all of that, I finally got an American passport. And so now I can enter and leave the country with an American passport. And you say, Christine, why have you now given us a citizenship lesson um, before we even jump into the text? Because we are about to jump into the text in the Bible. We're gonna look at the citizenship clause of the book of Philippians. And I wanted to give you a little bit of history on what it is because a lot of us, we don't think about it. You're just born in a country. And if you travel, then you get a passport. I cannot believe the amount of Americans that I've met that don't have a passport. I'm like, you people need to get out more. And so there is a whole world outside of this country. But if you wanna travel, then you are going to need a passport. We're gonna go to the book of Philippians, chapter three. I love this and I hope that it resounds with you that this is the citizenship clause of the book of Philippians. We're going to start in verse 12 and we're going to read to chapter four, verse one. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained. Brothers, join me. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I love this. The citizenship clause of the book of Philippians. So basically, Paul calling the Philippians citizens, would actually so, so resound with them, this, this whole concept of your citizens of heaven, not of earth. They would have totally understood what he was talking about because the Philippians were citizens of Rome. Now they were about 750 miles away from Rome. Now our head office for A21 is in Thessaloniki, Greece and about 45 minutes car drive from Thessaloniki, Greece, is the city of Philippi. And it really, it still spins me out when I get in the car and I go, this is the Bible, I'm driving in the Bible. And so you actually get out and you go, this is like a real city. And Philippi, of course, is where Lydia was baptised. Lydia was the first European convert. I love that because she was a chick. And so the first person saved in Europe was a chick. And so she was converted and water baptised right up there in Philippi. And so the Philippians would have understood what Paul was talking about when he said, you, you, you're citizens of heaven because they knew what it was like to live outside of a city that you were a citizen of. Now, they were citizens of the empire of Rome. That means that even though they were in the Macedonian re region, they didn't speak 
the same language as the Macedonians. They didn't dress the same language and they did. They weren't educated in the same way. They were educated in the ways of Rome. They wore the clothing of that the Romans would wear. And so in every way, they ate the food of the Romans. And so a person born in Philippi was actually a citizen of Rome. Different language, different dress, and they were loyal to the Roman government. And so they knew in every way what it was to be shaped by a kingdom in which you didn't actually live. You didn't actually live there. You lived somewhere else, but everything you did, the way you thought, the way you talked, the way you ate, the way you dressed, everything about you was shaped by the place that you belonged to, even though you weren't living in that place. You were living in another place. He would have understood that. Now, the metaphor that Paul is painting for you and for me today is that you and I are citizens of heaven but we temporarily live on this colony called Earth. And so we are not here forever. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are just passing through. We are governed by a King, King Jesus. He rules a kingdom and we are part of that kingdom. If we have been born again, we are born again into the kingdom of God. Jesus in the Gospels talked about the kingdom. And so we have a king, we are part of a kingdom, we operate according to a whole different paradigm to the way that the world does because we live on this colony called earth, but we are part of another kingdom. It's easy to forget that when you get about your normal day. You know, it's not that you get up every morning, put on the coffee pot and go, whoo, I'm part of a different kingdom. <laughs> But it would change your whole day if you did that. If you actually remembered that I am not of this world. I am just passing through. I come from a different kingdom. Therefore, I should think different to the way of this world. I should act different to the way of this world. Everything about me, I should talk differently. I should hold myself differently. I should walk through this world differently because I serve a different king. I'm part of a different kingdom. I am not governed by what happens in this world. I am serving King Jesus. And there ought to be evidence in our lives as Christians that we live here, but we're part of somewhere else that we are part of somewhere else. We ought to be able to exhibit a distinctly kingdom, heavenly life here on this earth. There ought to be something different about us. Now, I know it's really hard to understand the whole issue of a kingdom and what it's like to live in a kingdom when you're part of a democracy because you all threw the tea out. You know, you got to the Boston Tea Harbour and went, see ya, wouldn't want to be you. And so you were like, it's not tea for us, it's coffee. And so um, a, a lot of you are going, okay, I'm the Republic of the United States of America. We don't do kingdom, we do republic. And so it is hard, but recently my family, when I often go and do ministry in France, and so, you know, uh, Paris is one of my favourite cities in the world, so I'm here I am, Lord, send me to the <laughs> nations. And so uh, I willingly go as a servant of the Lord um, into, into Paris, France, but I took my kids with me. And of course, I am that mother that we have to go and visit every site and the kids give the eye roll. And I'm like, one day you'll thank me. One day you're going to thank me. But um, we went to see the Palace of Versailles. I don't know if you've ever seen the Palace of Versailles, but it is stunning. It is breathtaking. And Louis XIV, the King of France, and 
He lived from 1638 That's what went, that's how it went. It was free of all restraints. Now, basically, he was a narcissistic megalomaniac. I mean, let's just call it what it is. But he was answerable to no one but God. And so from his base in Versailles, he ruled. Uh, He had 3,000 people just in his palace that worked for him. It was just like mind-blowing to have a look at it. But as I looked around there, I thought, okay, these people understood what it is to have a king that rules a kingdom where their power is absolute. Now, we as Christians need to understand that we have a king, King Jesus, and he has a kingdom. And we have been born again into that kingdom, which means we're no longer serving ourselves. We are serving him. No one is born a citizen of heaven. Now, I have this Australian passport because I was born there. And so a lot of us, we think, well, I was just born into the church. (laughs) Um, You can't be. (laughs) Okay, it's like, I was, you hear so many people, I was born in a church pew, under the church pew, you know, on the first Sunday. Well, my kids were the same. I had a C-section and then I took the first place I took my daughter from the hospital before I took her to home was to church. We had a women's conference and I'm like, oh, hang on a minute, mum's got to do an altar call. And so off I went. (laughs) And um, so the first place Catherine went was to the house of God, to church. But that doesn't mean it made her a Christian. It means she came to church. Now, a lot of us, you're thinking, well, of course I'm a Christian. I I go to church. My mum went to church. My grandma went to church. And, you know, we only missed every fifth Sunday if the weather was good. But, you know, I was really like a good person. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Like, it really doesn't. It's like, I don't understand when people say that's awesome. Like, you know, um, I, I just become one by osmosis. So no one is born a citizen of heaven. I became a citizen of the United States of America by choice. I made a decision. I pledged allegiance to a different government. I went through an exam and I made a decision. I'm renouncing this and I am going to pick this up. Now in Australia and in, on this earth, I have dual citizenship, but In the spiritual realm, there is no dual citizenship. You cannot be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of earth. Some people confuse the natural world with the spiritual world. We think, well, I can have dual citizenship. I can have Vegemite when I'm in Australia. Most Americans don't like Vegemite. I can have Vegemite when I'm in Australia and I can eat barbecue when I'm in Texas. And you know, it's all the same. And I'm sitting here going, okay, on this earth, I can have the luxury of dual citizenship. But in the spirit, there is no dual citizenship. You cannot be a citizen of this world and a citizen of the kingdom of God. The Bible says in John 3, 3, when Nicodemus, he actually came with this very question to Jesus. And he said, what must I do to have an eternal life, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Christ said to him, you must be born again. 
Now, some of us, we hear that phrase and you're like, oh no, there she is. She's one of them born again preachers. That's it. Okay. This just confirms everything that I thought because we get all these thoughts about what is it to be born again? And that's just like really, really weird. I know. I know. But I always say to people, you know, at 33 years old, I found out I got a phone call from my brother, George. Um, because I'm Greek. And when you're Greek, all your brothers are George or Nico or Spiro or Khan and they're all. And my brother called me and he said, Christine, I just got a letter from the government and it says I've been adopted. Now, you know, that's a really weird thing to hear um, when you, your brother's 35 years old and he just tells you he's been adopted. Now, I thought that the government sent him the wrong letter. Like, obviously, I thought, gee, I knew that the Australian government was really inept, but I mean, sending the wrong letters uh, to people, this can cause people a lot of pain. And I said, George, you know, of course you haven't been adopted. It's so funny, you know, growing up, you always tell your siblings they've been adopted. You always say you are not related to me. But when they tell you you're adopted, you suddenly get really defensive and go, no, 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 you haven't. I said, call the government, tell them they've made a mistake and then call me back. So he called me back about 10 minutes later. This time he was crying so bad. He said, Chris, it's true. They told me the name of my biological mother, my biological father. They told me when I was born, when I was immunised, they have a whole file on my life. And he said, I'm going to go and see mum. I'm going to go and talk to her. And so here's this big family secret, 35 years. And I jump in the car because, you know, Greeks, we're a bit cray cray. We act first and think later. And I'm thinking this is going to go bad. So I jump in the car. I go to my mother's house. I walk into my mother's lounge room right at the minute that my brother is giving my mother this piece of paper from the government. My mother took it and she just started weeping. And she said, George, I'm so sorry. All of the adoption laws in Australia, they were all closed adoptions 35 years ago. We, we never thought you would find out. And one of the last things I promised your father before he died was I promised him I would never tell you. So I tore up all of the paperwork, I threw it away. And so, I mean, you can imagine what that was like. I mean, it was, it was like my mother was crying, my brother was crying, the dog was crying. I mean, everybody was, you know, it was everyone was crying. I didn't know what to do. I'm a good Greek daughter, so food is the answer to life, the universe and everything. I thought I'm going to the kitchen, make some baklava, do something. I go into the kitchen, my mother follows me in a few minutes later and she says, Christine, since we're telling the truth today, do you want to know the whole truth? And then I just turn around and I don't even know why I said this. I went, I've been adopted too. I was 33 years old. And um, tears streaming down her face, my mother says, yes. And you know, that day girls, every fact that I thought to be true about my life changed, everything changed where I was born, what my name was, what my heritage was, everything changed. And to this day, I still don't know the facts surrounding my conception. I don't know if I was the result of a one night stand. I don't know if I was the result of an ongoing adulterous affair. I don't even know if I was the result of a rape. But although I don't know the facts, there is a force on the planet much higher than the facts and it's called the truth of the Word of God. And my Bible does not say that I'm the workmanship of a rape or an adulterous affair. That my Bible says that we are His workmanship and that we've been recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And no demon in hell and no person on earth can thwart the plan and the purpose of God for our life. I don't quite know how I got here. I remember saying to my mum in that moment, I said, you know what, mum? Before I was formed in my mother's womb, whose ever womb that was, yeah. he knew me. 
He knitted together my innermost parts. He fashioned all of my days before as yet there was one of them. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I wanna tell you, I don't know what your history is, but I wanna tell you this much, that God loves you, that you are created in the plan and the purpose of God. You are not here by accident. God orchestrated you, He formed you, He knitted you together in your mother's womb and has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. You may have been rejected. You may have feel like you're just an accident. In fact, someone might've spoken over your life and said, you should never have been born. You're just an accident. You don't deserve to be here. I'm here to tell you that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And there is a God in heaven that loves you and has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. He loves you. So why do I tell you all that story? Because you know what? I don't particularly like the way I was born the first time. That's why I love it when Jesus said, you must be born again. I'm like, yes, I love that. I'm going to claim that phrase back. A lot of people have a lot of negative connotations with born again Christians, but I'm here to own it. I am a born again Christian. Why? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. You've got to be born again. From this realm into a kingdom realm, we are born again. Again, I have a brand new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am no longer from here. I'm born again into the Kingdom of God. So you're not born into the Kingdom of God, you get born again into the Kingdom of God. And so when you get born again, you are a brand new creation. I have a different citizenship status. Just like now, I have a different citizenship status in America. I never had access to what citizens in America did. Now I can vote. Now I can have property. Now I can work. There are certain things I can do as a citizen that I could not do when I wasn't a citizen. Well, now that I'm born again into the Kingdom of God, there are certain things that I have access to as a citizen. My legal status is now in heaven. My name is enrolled on a register, citizen of heaven, the Lamb's book of life. If you are born again, you've been sealed until the day of redemption. Listen, if you're not happy about anything else today, be happy that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There is nothing greater on earth than to be born again and saved for all of eternity. My life is governed by the laws and the land of my citizenship. So I'm a resident of earth, but I'm a citizen of heaven. So now what is my goal? My goal is that when I pray, Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Here on earth as it is in heaven. You might've thought that you're just an ordinary person. Honey, you are not no ordinary person. You are on kingdom assignment. You are an ambassador of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords. You're not just taking up space on planet Earth. You are bringing heaven to earth in Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening today. We hope the message has encouraged you. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. For links and more, head to christinecane.com forward slash podcast. We hope to see you again next week right here for another episode of Equip and Empower.